Would you turn with me please to uh, Proverbs? We've been on a subject for some, uh, some weeks now. I want us to continue in today. Called the Spirit of Man. The Spirit of Man. In Proverbs 20 and 27. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The Spirit of Man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Actually, most of your other translations would say lamp, lamp, and I think that's really more precise. The complete Jewish Bible says the human spirit is a lamp of Adonai. It searches one's inmost being. The spirit of man is Yahweh's lamp, another one says. What does that mean, the Lord's lamp? My spirit is the Lord's lamp. And he uses it to enlighten me, to search all the innermost parts of our being and to give us light. In uh, the eighth chapter of Romans, if you want to go over there, Romans 8 and verse uh, 14, and I'm reading in the Weist translation on this one. Don't our overhead guys do a good job? They don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and one reason I hadn't been able to tell them what I'm going to say is because I don't know what I'm going to say yet. <laughs> but they do a great job staying right on top of it. We have so many good teams all over the church, and um, uh, you don't see many of them, but you're going to see them when the rewards are given. The Lord never forgets. As many as are being constantly led by God's Spirit, these are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery again with resulting fear, but you received the spirit who places you as adult sons. Now let's just stop right here. You did receive the spirit. Say it out loud, I received the spirit. He said, who places you as adult sons by whom we cry out with deep emotion, Abba Father, verse 16. The Spirit Himself is constantly bearing joint testimony with our spirit that we are God's children. Now this is very, best I can ascertain, very accurate from the original language, this joint testimony thing. We're going to see that further as we go today, but this is how my spirit is God's lamp. His spirit is constantly bearing joint testimony with what part of my being? My spirit. And in this particular instance, he's saying, what is he joining, bearing joint testimony with my spirit about? That I am God's child. So those that have been born again 
do have the witness that they are God's child. Now, if he can let you know you're his child, why couldn't he let you know something else? By the same means, by the same agency of his spirit bearing joint witness with your spirit. These are some of the most important things you will ever learn in this life. How to be led by the Lord's Spirit. This is, this is how we hear from Him, if you want to use that term. It's how He communicates with us. It's how we ascertain His will about individual specifics. In our life, making our decisions, every day and every week, there's a thousand and one decisions to make. Little, small, and great. The only way to get it right is to be led by the Spirit. Because you just don't know enough. No matter how brilliant you might imagine that you are, no matter how much thorough research you do, for one thing, what do you know about tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? And all of your research could be out the window if things change tomorrow. I'm not saying don't use your head, don't think, don't do research. You do. But when it comes time to make the decision, you Trust in the Lord with all your heart and you don't lean and depend on and rely on your own understanding. No matter how great your understanding may be, it's just not enough to get it right every time. Thank God for the spirit within us who bears joint witness with our spirit. Now, uh, Back up in, in this same chapter to the, um, let's see, the. let me just turn there. Earlier part of the, the this whole chapter is wonderful. But in verse uh, 5, Romans 8, 5, they that are after the flesh do what? Mind, Mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. One of the biggest factors that determines whether you're spiritual or not is what you do with your mind. Our mind has the ability to focus. We can focus on something with our mind and choose to think about that or choose to think about this instead. And since we are spirit and soul and body and there is an inner man and there is an outer man, the mind is positioned between them. And I can focus outside just on the natural, on the carnal or the fleshly or material. 
But the Bible said there's death in that. Because that's, that's what's out here is death. Or I can focus inward. Where the Spirit of God dwells with my own spirit. And to do that, the result is what? Life and peace. One of the biggest and most destructive lies that the enemy has convinced many people of, including Christians, is that they can't control their thoughts. They can't help but think on bad things. You might say, well, I, I've been through some traumatic experiences. Uh, most of us have. Some people just talk a lot more about it than others. And some people choose to live in the past. Not to minimize the problem that you've been through, but you do not have to think about that night and day. You don't have to. You can forget the things that are behind. Can you or not? Bible said you can. And you can reach toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You can look ahead. You can look forward. You can focus. You can set your mind on things above. Not on things beneath. Can you do it? The Lord said you could. The Word says you could. Now many people do not. They don't believe this. They're like well you you just don't understand. Well no you just don't believe what the Lord said. I want you to say it out loud. My mind, my mind is, my mind. is my mind. I can, I can focus, focus the direction I choose to. I don't have to think on things I choose not to. Hallelujah. This is life changing. If you start controlling your mind focus... You are becoming a spiritual man or woman. Can you see this? If you just let your mind wander all over the place. And see that. That that makes you so easy to defeat. All the enemy's got to do. Is bring some bad thoughts. Or some bad memories. And some bad feelings to you. And you're incapacitated for the rest of the day. You just sit there and cry. And relive it. And rehash it. and, And loop. Anybody know what I mean by loop? Go over it again and again. Again and again. Again and cry and hurt. Why? When you get through crying and hurting, it's not going to be changed at all. There's no future in this. Maybe it was horrible, but there's no future in this. Say it again. My mind is my mind. I can control what I focus on, what I think. I don't have to think on anything. I choose not to. I can focus on the problems out here, which is not smart. There's death in it. Or I can focus on the one who's inside me. 
who has all the answers, right? And the result of that is joy and peace and life. One of them's death, one of them's life. Is this big? It's as big as life and death. Now keep reading. Notice how this flows. See, we read the 14th, 15th, 16th verses, but this is how he got there. This is all flowing to that. He said, uh, verse 7, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now let's just stop right here. When he says in the flesh, he's not talking about living in a body. Because all of us are living in a body. What's he talking about? That your focus is just flesh. That's all you're mindful of. So keep it in context with what he's already said. Verse 9, you're not in the flesh. Go ahead and say that out loud. I'm not in the flesh. So you do live in the body, but my consciousness where I live. You don't just live at such and such a dress in Florida or Missouri or Arkansas. You live in here in your consciousness and awareness. And I can live in flesh and junk in my consciousness and awareness or I can live in spirit and life and peace depending on which direction I choose to focus. And what I choose to put and keep my mind on. You're not in the flesh. But in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ. He's none of his. There's no such thing as a born again believer. Who doesn't have the spirit. Now you may not have been filled with the spirit. But you were born of the Holy Spirit when you were born again. If you don't have the Spirit, you're not saved. If you're saved, you have the Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the Anointed One, is in us. I want you to go with me to uh, John we're going to make progress today. John 14. Get ready. Faith, life, people. Are some of the most spiritually aware and spirit led people in our generation on the planet at this time. Uh, John 14, and, uh, well, let me just start reading verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. That means you can. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, which is going on right now, I will come again and receive you to myself, which is about to happen. There where I am, there you may be also. Say this out loud. Where he is, is. right now, now. 
I will soon be. Can that do anything for you? Where he is right now, I will soon be there. Even if you live another 50, 75 years, it's going to go by so fast. How many would say, well, the last 50 sure clicked by? Right? You might say, well, I'm only 15. It seems like, when will I be able to get my driver's license? It seems like it's taking forever. Give it a few years. And you'll be trying to slow them down. Verse 4. And where I go, you know. Say it out loud, you know. And the way, you know. Say it out loud, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Get this now. Everybody's awake. See, if your neighbor's snoozing, you better punch them. They don't want to miss this. Not, don't punch them hard, just a little bit. <laughs> if the Lord tells you you know something, what should you say? Should you argue with him that you don't know it? Or should you agree with him by faith? Right? And ask him to help you realize what you know. Thomas said, Lord, we know not. We don't know. The Lord just got through saying, let's read it again. Verse 4, what did the Lord say? This is King James, so where I'm going, you know. And the way to get there, you know. And uh, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know if we don't know where you're going? Then how can we possibly know how to get there? Jesus said to him, I am the way to get there. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Verse 7. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you what? You know him. And you've seen him. You know him. And you've seen him. Verse 8. What did Philip say? Lord, show us the Father. And, and we'll be satisfied. It'll be sufficient for us. Jesus said, have I been all this time with you? And you don't know me. Philip, you know, when the Lord calls your name like that, you just might as well go start, start kneeling down to repent. <laughs> Remember when he told Martha, 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 you just need to start kneeling down. <laughs> Philip, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And how do you say, show us the Father? This is so important. This whole chapter is unfolding this. They knew things they didn't realize they knew. They were aware of things they didn't realize they were aware of. They knew, but didn't think they knew. 
If the Lord tells you you know, what should you, should you argue with him and try to explain to him and convince him that you don't know? You don't know why he says you know, because you don't, and you know you don't know. No, no. If he says you know, you just haven't figured it out yet, but you do. You know what else he said in John 10? My sheep. What did he say? My sheep. Know my voice. And a stranger's voice, they won't follow. Are you one of his sheep? Are you born again? Then you have the spirit. And you know his voice. We've already talked about this. Don't argue with the Lord. Are you born again? Have you received the Lord? Confessed him as your Lord and Savior? Then you have the Spirit. And you know his voice. Oh, somebody said out loud, I have the Spirit. And I know his voice. Come on, say it again. I have the Spirit. And I know his voice. One more time. I have the Spirit. I know. His voice. Keep reading. He said if you had known me. You'd have known the father. And from henceforth you do know him. And you've seen him. And Philip said Lord show us the father. Jesus said have I been so long time with you. And yet have you not known me. Philip. He that has seen me. Has seen the father. And how are you saying. Show us the father. This is one of the biggest issues when it comes to being led by the Spirit. Is the problem of ignoring the Spirit. Ignoring the Spirit. And looking for something more spectacular. Looking for something else. He went on to say, Believest thou not that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me? If you skip on down to verse 16, he said, I'll pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Why can't the world receive him? It doesn't see him. And it doesn't know him. Unbelievers can't see the Spirit. That's why it's it's, it's foolishness to them. As far as they're concerned, it doesn't exist. But you know him. Oh, do you hear this? What's Jesus saying? You know who? The Spirit. Why? Because he dwells with you. And he shall be in you. That was before the new birth. We are past the new birth. We're on the other side of the new birth. So he is with us. And he is in us. Somebody say I know him. I know him. I know the spirit of God. He is in me. And he is with me. And I know him. I know him. He's telling them they've just been with him for a matter of months. 
you know, a couple of three years. And uh, he's telling them, and they're wanting him to show them God. He said, you've seen God. (laughs) We want to know about the Spirit. He said, you know the Spirit. He's with you. Can you see what was going on? Let's back up a little bit. Even the audible voice of God. Do you remember we studied this a while back with Samuel? And when God called him in the nighttime, he didn't realize it was God. It was so familiar to him. It was so comfortable to him. He was sure it was Eli. See, people are looking for something bizarre. They're looking for something strange. They're looking for something spectacular. A booming voice out of the sky with a lot of bass. Uh -uh. That's not what you should be looking for. I, I need to learn how to hear from God. You've already heard from God. I, I, need to, I need to know about the Spirit. You already know Him. How can you not just be in the same house with somebody, how not just be in the same room with somebody, be in the same body with somebody 24-7 and not know who they are and what they are? You do know. I said you do know. But with so many, they've not recognized or not acknowledged him because of being too focused out here. Brother Kenneth Hagin used to say, we need to become more God-inside-minded. That's spiritually minded. More God inside minded. This is helping us. Do you believe it? This is helping us. Oh, thank you, Father. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One of the biggest issues by far that hinders people from being led by the Spirit is simply ignoring the spirit who is in them ignoring him and not paying him any attention failing to acknowledge him he's there right now Hmm? if he's not there you haven't been born again if you've been born again He's there 24-7. Everywhere you go, everything you do, He is there. How can He be there 24-7 in the same body with you and you've never met Him? You don't know who He is. You've never heard Him. You have heard Him. You do know Him. He's there inside you. But you've been around Him so much that you can ignore him. But this is where things change when you stop ignoring him 
and you start acknowledging him and you start paying attention to him and you start responding to him, your life comes up to a whole different level. It's the spirit-led life. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. That's why the, the, the Bible says things like this, quench not the spirit. Remember that? 1 Thessalonians 5.19 Quench not the spirit. The next verse says despise not prophesyings which could be inspired by the spirit. Why would you have to tell people? Don't quench him. Quench is like you know if there's a little fire or something taking a wet blanket and throwing it over it to quench it or smother it. And that is the perfect picture because that's what's happening all over the place is the Spirit of God inside people is trying to give them light and people are just covering it over, just ignoring it, just quenching, just shutting it down, smothering it out. And He, the Holy Spirit, will not override you and force you to listen to Him or follow him. He just he won't do it. It's contrary to the nature of who God is. The devil will try to force you. God will not. He obviously could. But it's part of who he is. He just will not force you to do something. It has to be your choice. You have to choose to yield to him. Oh, somebody said out loud. I belong to the Lord. I am his sheep. I am his child. I have his spirit. I know his spirit. I know his voice. You do. It's just a matter of paying better attention to it. Acknowledging him instead of ignoring him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Listen to Acts 17. Acts 17, verse 22. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, and these guys were real big on intellectualism, education. And he said, You. You men of Athens, I perceive in all things you're too superstitious. Verse 23, I, I found an altar as I passed by your stuff. It said, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I to you. Let me tell you about this unknown God. He said, he used that as a place to start preaching to him. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. This is one of the biggest differences between us and the religions of the world. You cannot go to the burial site of the body of our founder to show honor to his, and respect to his remains. They're not there. And we don't say that our God is housed in any statue or any temple or any building. He's too big for that. <laughs> you can't fit him 
in your little temple. <laughs> Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he's the one giving life and breath and all things to everybody. We're not supporting him. He's supporting us. And he's made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should seek the Lord. If haply they might fill after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us for in him we live and move and have our being. He's close. Deuteronomy said this. And Romans 10 said this. It said don't say who will go up to heaven. To bring God down. Or who will go to the depths of the deep. To bring him up. He said it's close to you. It's near to you. In your mouth. And in your heart. <laughs> People are looking for something. You know. Uh, on the other side of the world, or they're looking for something on the other side of the solar system, and they're you're looking for some huge thing and some spectacular thing, and he's been here all the time. Right here. Right now. You've already heard him. You're already familiar with him. You already know him. You've been born again. You already know him. And again, don't argue with the Lord. Don't let your head go, well, this doesn't seem like I can hear from him very good. You need to hush and agree with the Lord. Agree with him. It's true. What he says is true. Whether you realize it or not, it's true. You hear people making all kinds of excuses. Well, you know, my wife or my husband, you know, they're the spiritual one. and They do the praying. They, boy, they hear from God all the time. And I, I don't know. I guess I just come try kind of carnal and I just can't seem to hear from him. No, you just won't pay attention. You got the same spirit in you that anybody does. <laughs> no. Nobody has to be, you know, five times more spiritual than you. It's a choice as to whether I look out here and just focus out here only or whether I take that little mind of mine and focus it the other direction. And pay attention to him. And listen for him. And be aware of him. Do you remember Proverbs 3 what it said? Proverbs 3, 5. Put that on the screen for us please. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord. With what? All your heart. Lean not. Don't lean. To your own understanding. Read the next verse. What does it say? What does it say? At least every Sunday. What? In all your ways. Give me that next word. Give me that next word. Do what? Acknowledge him. Somebody say acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Why would you need to acknowledge him? Because if you don't, he's not going to override you. He will let you make your own dumb decisions and mess up your life and run off the rails. He will let you do it. It's obvious. It's happening all over. And you can try to blame God, but it's not true. He was trying to communicate to you the whole time inside. He was trying to let you know, don't do that. 
don't go that way. But for the most part, most people don't acknowledge him. They make their plans. They go and do their things. They set their schedules and never even ask. Never even look. Never even check. Said out loud, I am not my own. I have a Lord. Should we check in with him? Should we ask him about everything? Should I go? Should I not go? Should I be involved in this? Should I not be involved in this? Should we check in? How often? How often? Look at it. Verse 6. When? Where? Verse 6. In all your ways. Do what? Acknowledge him. Look at your neighbor. Help him out. Say, acknowledge him. Look the other direction. Say, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Come here, Rob. Stand up right here, please. Let's say Rob has got a full day. Man, he's got a lot of stuff to do. Just face that way. He's got a ton of stuff to do. He's got 500 decisions he needs to make by the end of the day. He really needs wisdom from God. He really needs help. And I'm the Holy Spirit, let's say. And I know it all. I got the answers. But in order to get these answers, what does he have to do? I'm ready to give them to him. I want to tell him. I want to show him. But he's only interested in what's happening over here. Because he has a lot to do. And he's busy. And he has a lot of decisions to make. He can go all day. He can go all week. And, and make five bad decisions. And have to redo something four times. Come on. Can you see this? And all the time. I knew what to do. But if he's going to get this from me. What, what, what must he do? What must he do? He needs to acknowledge that I exist. He needs to acknowledge that I'm here. He needs to acknowledge that I know what he needs to do. What does he need to do? His mind's out here, focused out here. He won't get what I've got for him until he turns his mind around. Oh, come on, can you see this? And he says, Holy Spirit, help me with this. That is so simple. Come on, can you see that? That is so, Holy Spirit. Come on, practice that everybody. Holy Spirit, help me with this. What did you just do? You just acknowledged that he knows that he's real, that he's there. That he can show you something. Just in that simple phrase. You acknowledged a bunch of things didn't you. I mean if he doesn't exist. You wouldn't be talking to him. Thank you. In all your ways. Do what? In all your ways. Somebody say acknowledge. Acknowledge. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. Tell me what will happen as a result of that. Who's directing your path? 
God, God is directing your path, then you will wind up at the right place at the right time when God's directing your path. Now see, people have been taught wrong. Preachers have preached it wrong. People try to imply that whatever path you wind up on was somehow the path God had for you. And that everything that happens, wherever you wind up, whatever happens, must have been the path of God because nothing happens unless it's the the will of God. That is not true. I said that's not true. People believe it. And one reason so many people believe it is because it requires nothing of you. You have no responsibility. It's no fault religion. No matter what happens, not my fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not my fault. Only problem is you keep losing, keep having problems, and it's not true. Simply not true. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You know, one of the great things, put up Romans 1, 19, if you would, for me. One of the most ignorant (laughs) statements that you'll ever hear. And it's the same kind of thing we're talking about. Is people say, well, there, there is no proof that God exists. Really? Romans 1.19. NIV. He said, uh, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Somebody say clearly seen, clearly seen. Clearly. Being understood from what? What has been made so that men are without excuse. No proof of God. You're standing on it. You're breathing it. It's, but, but see, that, that so perfectly shows what we're talking about with the Spirit. It's all proof of God. You can't escape it. And yet, you got people looking for God. We have no proof. No proof. We got a planet. We got a solar system. We got a universe. We got living human beings. We got living spirits. Where did it come from? People want to imagine, well, it just all created itself. Well, that's a belief. That's not science. That's a belief and a bad one. And there's certainly no proof that God doesn't exist. It's a choice what you believe. Friend, do you hear what the Spirit of God is saying today? He's in you. He's all around you. Looking for God, he hadn't made it hard to find him. In him, we live, we move, we have our being. He's in me, he's around me. I know him. He's with me 24-7. Not living in the same house, not living in the same room, in the same body. (laughs) There's no way. I hadn't bumped into him. (laughs) There's no way I've never heard him or sensed his presence. The problem is people don't realize 
what they've experienced. They, they're not putting two and two together. Like, just like with these guys saying, Lord, show us the way. He said, you know the way. Show us the Father. He said, you have seen the Father. <laughs> Go to Romans, please. And uh, the uh, ninth chapter. We read in our text in chapter 8 and verse 16. That the Spirit Himself testifies or bears witness with our spirit. And in the ninth chapter, just one chapter over, verse 1, he says it like this. This is Young's literal translation I'm reading. He said, Truth I say in Christ, I lie not, my conscience bearing testimony with me in the Holy Spirit. Here he uses the word conscience. And this helps us identify some things. Feeling is the voice of the flesh. Reason is the voice of the mind. Conscience is the voice of the spirit. Conscience. Everybody say conscience. Now, this is an interesting word, conscience. It means co-perception. Everybody say that out loud. Co-perception. Not just perception, but what? Co-perception. That's why in these English translations, it says with. Witnessing with. Co-perception. In... uh, Hold your place there. Let me just read this to you. In John 15 and 26. John 15, 26. And I'm reading this in the NIV. He said, when the counselor comes. Talking about the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26 NIV. Whom I will send to you from the Father. The Spirit of truth. Who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. Who will do that? Who, the Holy Spirit will do that. Keep reading. Verse 27. And you also must testify. For you've been with me from the beginning. The ASV says it like this. The ASV. When the Comforter has come whom I will send to you from the Father. Even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father. He shall bear witness of me. And you also bear witness. He's talking about two witnesses. The Spirit and your Spirit. The Holy Spirit and my Spirit. Somebody say two witnesses. Two witnesses. Now now you're there in, in Romans, I think. Go to Romans 2. Romans 2 and 14. Oh, thank you, Lord. Say it out loud. I'm aware of the Spirit. I have the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. In Romans 2.14, he says, uh, For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. What What he's saying is Gentile believers... 
that never heard the law preached like the Jewish people did are winding up knowing they shouldn't commit adultery, knowing they shouldn't lie, knowing they shouldn't steal, and practicing that, but they never heard it. They were never taught it. Well, where'd they get it? (laughs) Where'd they get that? Verse 15. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their what? Conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. What's going on with our conscience is two witnesses. Two witnesses. What we call our conscience is an awareness of the witness of our own spirit about something. But then to ascertain whether it's right and good or not, the Holy Spirit adds the confirmational witness, his witness, to ours. And that's how we can ascertain the thing that is the Lord. Let me read this to you from some other translations. The Weiss translation says, their conscience bearing joint witness. God's word translation says, their consciences speak to them. I mean, even unbelievers believe in the conscience, the existence of a conscience. They know, they've experienced it. They know it's real. And it tells, here how it works In verse 15, their thoughts accuse them on one occasion and defend them on another. Is this right or is this wrong? Well, your conscience bothered you about it. So you think about doing it again and your conscience is already giving you a witness that that's not the right way to go and the Holy Spirit adds his witness to it. And you got something even stronger. And if you'll be honest and you're paying attention, you'll go, we need to leave that alone. (laughs) Or if it's something that you need to do, you think about, well, do I go this way or do I go that way? When you think about going that way, you just got nothing or even a check. When I think about going this way, I got a witness. A witness And when the Lord's involved in it, not only will I have the witness of my own spirit, he will add his witness to it, and I've got a confirmational witness. i got something stronger, because there's more than one person living in here. There's another person living in this same body house. And how is it that we're living inside this, what, two by eight inch whatever deep str- and I hadn't bumped into him I don't know him I never talked to him that's preposterous <laughs> the problem has been people have been so familiar they've just ignored him quenched him ignored him despised him 
Not paying attention to him. We can stop that. I said you can stop that. I can stop that. Today. We can start paying attention. To the one who's on the inside of us. Somebody say thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Oh thank you Lord for the Holy Spirit. Thank you Lord for the Holy Spirit. Thank you Lord for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. They'll put it on the screen for us. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit speaks expressly or specifically that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to other spirits, wrong spirits, and doctrines of demons. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having what? Having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. A seared, calloused, insensitive conscience. How did it become that way? By ignoring what you know. By going crosswise of what you know to be the truth. Because when you're acting hypocritically, that means you know what you're doing is not true. You know what you're saying and doing is not right, but you're doing it anyway. And one of the most devastating things that happens is what happens to your conscience. When you lie on purpose, when you are hypocritical on purpose, when you ignore and rebel against what the Lord inside you trying to help you through your own conscience does you get dull you get insensitive and you keep doing that you'll get to the point where you're not even aware of the spirit anymore seared flesh is thick and unfeeling no longer sensitive scar tissue oh but there's still good news I said, there's still good news. Years ago, when Phyllis and I first got married, I, I got a job loading freight out on the truck docks. And it was just, I mean, it was full bore manual labor. I mean, we, we loaded Lazy Boy chairs and 400-pound uh, rolls of fabric and, and metal and, and, and steel, all this kind of stuff. And there was, uh, there was guys that had been working there for years. Their hands were so thick and calloused from doing all that manual work. At lunch, I know one guy, he'd sit there with a little pen knife and cut in his hand. Couldn't even feel it. Because it's so what? It's thick and insensitive and unfeeling. But after working there, I don't know, two or three years, I was getting some calluses on my hands too. But uh, no calluses today. <laughs> Little soft preacher hands. <laughs> no calluses at all. Is that good news or is that good news? Why? Because what used to be calloused and insensitive became sensitive again. Oh, come on. Is, is that possible? It is. All you got to do, all I had to do was stop doing what was causing the callous. And over time, it changed. 
That's all I got to do. All I got to do is quit being dumb and ignoring the Holy Spirit, right? Stop ignoring him. Stop telling lies. Stop acting hypocritical. Stop being rebellious. Stop not listening to him. Stop quenching him and acknowledge him. In all my ways, I'm checking in with him in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, every time something comes up. You know, Phyllis and I, we've been practicing this for years, and we talked about it before that you don't even think about it. It's become our way of life now, but I mean everything that we make a decision about. We're checking in with him. You may not hear us say it. Well, you may not see us stop and kneel down and pray. But I am every, I mean every, every little decision about our travel, where we go, when we go, who we give to, what we buy, everything. I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking, I'm checking. Because I know I don't have enough up here in my own understanding to get it right. The only way I can get it right is to check in with the one who lives inside me and in the body with me, who knows everything about everything and knows the way I should go and what I should do and all I've got to do is ask him. Check in. Acknowledge him. And what did the Bible say? He shall direct your paths. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.